the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 183. I'm your host, Dustin, and as always, I have with me... This is Ed with an orange. And this is Gretchen. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of February 14th through March 5th. But I should clarify that, because as you're hearing this, you know, we are a week behind schedule as normal. Um, we are bringing you, actually, comic reviews from February 14th through February 27th. But we're going to cover all the news for the past three weeks. Uh, we're behind. I went on vacation, and it, it kind of put a lot of things off the schedule, so now we're trying to catch up. But the plus side is, while you're listening to this, next Friday we'll have another episode out to catch us back up with the comic reviews. And you'll get two episodes two weeks in a row. So look forward to that. Now, as far as comic reviews, we're, we have three books to cover this episode. We have some news regarding Rebirth. We're also going to talk the sales numbers. Uh, Greater Gotham and the Bat Signal as well. So let's get straight into comic news. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the sales numbers. TV by the numbers for January of 2016. Uh, these released right after we recorded the previous episode, uh, but they are available on the website. So running down the overall numbers, uh, total comic sales was 6.49 million issues, which was a, which was down 6% from the previous year. Uh, DC market share was 24%, while TBU market share made up 13.69% of that amount. Uh, TBU total sales was only 0.89 million issues for the month of January. Uh, now, going through this, there was a couple of things that Terry made note to mention in his article is, one, there's always generally a dip between December and January, where if you, you're looking at sales from one month to the next month, December, January is kind of a area that is not a very good firm area to, or time frame, I should say, not area, time frame to kind of base statistics off of because December always has higher sales because that's when people spend money for the holidays. January is when people tend to not spend so much money and start paying off some of their credit cards and things like that. So that being said, um, sales obviously go down month to month, and some of these books actually dropped significantly from one month to the next month. It also didn't help that we had the Robin Warren in December that added to the number for some books, but then obviously takes away in large quantities in January when the event is no longer occurring. Um, in addition to that, there was also... But the big thing to take away from this is the percentage of comics sold is down 6% across the board year to year. That's the number to really pay attention to. Um, that's not necessarily a good thing. That means comic sales in general, the industry as a whole is, is, uh, down 6% and that's, that's bad. Um, not huge down, you know, it's not double digits, but still 6% is nothing to not worry about if you are one of the companies as part of the comics industry. So six points is a lot of movement to be honest with you. If car sales were down 6%, Detroit would be on the verge of, of suicide. I mean, 6% is a lot. It really is. Let's go through the books that were doing well. 
the only book that was in the top 10 for the month was Batman number 48, which was ranked number 8 with 100K sales. Uh, this was down 20% from the previous month. Um, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was the only other book to break the top 25. Oh! This one had, uh, was ranked at number 24 with 52K. Uh, but this one was down 61% from the previous month. I want to stop real quick and talk about number one, this one. Yes, it does have to do with the number one, but if you remember correctly, when we were talking about sales numbers last time, and we, we were talking about dark, DK3 1 to, to DK number 2, or DK3 number 2, I should say, uh, you know, there, the sales were insane for the first issue, 400,000. They dropped to, you know, just 150,000. And I said at the time when I, you know, way back, uh, this was probably in January when I predicted the sales numbers were going to drop significantly. I said it could probably attribute to all the variants. You guys kind of scoffed at the idea and said whatever. And it, it didn't matter whether or not I was right or wrong. What matters is that in some ways, I think the same thing happened with Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The first issue, now don't get me wrong. I'm reading it. I love it. I think it was great that it was number two last month. Or I should say in December, but it was number, the, the first issue was, you know, ranked number two. We talked about how that was a great thing for that book. Shows that the crossover was something that people really wanted to see. It still got good numbers compared to other titles, but the drop is significant. And I can only think that it's attributed to the fact that the variants, again, because this one did have not nearly as many variants as DK3, but it did have, I think, like six or seven different variants that they had for the first issue. And they did have some uh, retailer exclusive variants and things like that. And that that takes away the number. And it, it's a very bad thing when you see a book drop so much. But if you don't have the context of, well, it had a ton of variants that first issue, not nearly as many the second time around, so people aren't buying as many issues, you know, that's a huge thing. And a 61% drop is is humongous. More than half of the amount of books is no longer being sold because of something, which I believe can, can be attributed to those variants. You know, here's something that I know we'll never get, but I'd be very curious. I would be curious what the amount of people that purchased an issue were, but I mean people. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Like, did we sold 150,000 copies, but 83,000 people different bought it. But I'd be curious to see if it really is a variant thing, because if it is, it's kind of double-dipping. It doesn't really show how, how much the book is being embraced. It just shows how many... Sales gimmicks are working. If that makes any sense. That's true, and I think, but I think part of that. I mean, like, I don't. We're never going to get the exact number because that's all. There's, there's no, yeah, uh, there's no no figure to show that. The only figure we can do is compare one month to the next month, and in some ways, if it doesn't have nearly as many variant covers, or there's issues, for example, when new issues release with number ones, there's variant covers normally for most of them. Number two issue doesn't nearly half those series don't end up getting variant covers. And when they don't end up with the variant covers, you can kind of see what, you know, what the number was. Because yes, you're going to see a drop between the first month and the next month, but I don't know that, it, I don't know of any other way it could be attributed except for the variants, honestly. I mean, like, there, I'm sure there's, there's other ways, but the book is getting, you know, good reviews and things like that across the internet. Critics are liking it, so it's not as if it's a bad series. I have to think it's just one of those marketing schemes. And honestly, it makes complete sense to do that, and it makes complete sense to have the number ones because that also adds to it as well. So, 
you think there's a, a lot of a, a certain amount of um, like eBay culture in this? People buy number ones to try to sell them later. You know, I'm sure I'm sure that is it because I know. Now it doesn't work with everything, it, sure. It, but there, it does work with some. For example, Suicide Squad at the beginning of the New Fifty Two, Harley Quinn was in it. That was new, but outside of that, there was nothing unique about the series. Suicide Squad was not a huge title pre New Fifty Two, and it wasn't a big series when it first launched in you know at the beginning of the New Fifty Two in two thousand eleven. But once they announced the Suicide Squad movie, that book jumped from being like a five dollar book up to a twenty dollar book with no Did it really? problem. Yeah. So I mean, like that that has something to do with it too. But it also has to do with the fact that like if something happens where that series or something, for example, like. Constantine, if Constantine had, I don't recall if Constantine had a series initially when the New 52 started. If he did, then when they announced the TV series, that issue could have, you know, the number one issue of that could have jumped up in price. I know that there were certain issues of Supergirl that jumped up in price when Supergirl landed her TV series. Um, It happens, it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always, you know, work out. But initially when something is announced before it actually comes out and before it actually is, you know, you you know, it's decided whether or not the quality of whatever the media is is good. Normally, it has a sort of effect. If we were, if we go back to, uh, I think it was 2011 when Green Lantern the movie came out. That movie was bad. You know, I yes, sir. I, <laughs> I have no problem saying it was bad. I think that the director's cut, which was part of the Blu-ray was a little bit better of a movie because substantially it better. Yeah, it was it explained a lot more things, but we're not Green Lantern podcast, but my point is before that movie <coughs> came out, the Green Lantern stuff was really hot. Everything about Green Lantern in the comics was big. We had Blackest Night, uh we had Brightest Day. I don't remember the storyline before Blackest Night, but I know because that stuff was it was happening and the Green Lantern stuff was selling really well. Part of it had to do with the fact that Jeff Johns was on the series, yes, but also had to do with the fact that people were excited for what was going to happen with the movie. Then the movie comes out, not so great, and look where Green Lantern is. They, they start out with four series at the beginning of the New 52, chopped down to two, and they can barely hold on to the two series at this point. So, Well, and if you look around right now, Harley Quinn stuff is going for dumb money now. Yeah. Like, dumb money. All right, so moving on to the rest of the numbers. Uh, other books are doing well. Batman Europa, number three, only dropped 5%. Uh, Justice League number seven, Justice League of America, I should say, number seven, dropped 13%. Detective Comics number 48 sold 45k and dropped only 1%. Uh, Harley Quinn number 24, uh, was at, ranked at number 38 and dropped 34%. Batman Eternal, uh, the four issues released for January, uh, uh, combined for 153k, uh, but overall a tr- total drop of 24%. Robin Moore number two, uh, was ranked at 52 with a 35k, which for an event book is actually really good. Uh, Batman Super number 28 with 34k, actually a gain of 14.94%, which I believe that's attributed to the fact that, uh, there was a new, I believe January was it, but I could be wrong. I'm thinking maybe now it's February. Uh, I don't know, understand what the, uh, actual change for that could be month to month. Other than, I believe Tom Taylor, he started a, his story, but I don't know if that started in January or February now that I'm thinking about it. Must have been a creative change. There had to be something for Despike like that, right? Yeah. And Tom Taylor is really well known for his work with Injustice Gods Among Us. He's worked on other things, but that's probably one of the series that 
he's gotten the most fan base from. He was on that series for a very long period of time. I want to say the first three volumes, or the three years, I should say, of that series. Poison Ivy number one debuted with 31K, which is really good for a debut issue of a, you know, a side character slash villain of, of, from the Batman universe. So then, uh, moving on to books meeting expectations. Robin Son of Batman number eight with 31K, Grayson number 16 with 30K, Batgirl 47. With 26K, New Suicide Squad number 16 with 24K, Teen Titans number 16, 24K, Teen, uh, Titans Hunt number 4, 23K, uh, Red Hood Arsenal number 8, 22K, DC Comics Bombshells number 8, 21K, Suicide Squad Most Wanted, Deadshot and Katana number 1, 21K, Batman Beyond number 8, 20K. Now, what's interesting about this is Suicide Squad Most Wanted, clearly the Suicide Squad name itself cannot sell a title. Because originally this was meant to be two separate series, I believe. Well, no, now that I'm thinking about it, no, it was a Katana miniseries initially, and then they teamed, or con- conjoined, I, sh- I guess is a better way to put it, with Deadshot, and then put the Suicide Squad title on the front of it, I guess, in hoping that it was going to sell better. But honestly, for a debut issue only selling 21K, I don't think very many people are that excited about Katana or Deadshot at this point. Doesn't, doesn't look like it. No, doesn't look like it. Now, the the other thing to note is outside of that title, which just debuted, all of those books that are still meeting expectations had a drop except for Titan's Hunt, which actually jumped up 12% from the previous month, which is weird because other than a little bit more happening in issue number four, it's, it's there's there was no other reason it would jump up that much. That's got Donna Troy on that could be it too. Although they're not publicizing publicizing as much as you would think if that was actually the case. All right. So then moving into the books that are in danger, Earth Two Society number eight. I'm not going to read through the sales numbers for these. I'm just going to run down the list. Earth Two Society number eight, Arkham Knight, uh, Batman Arkham Knight Genesis number six, which actually was the last issue. Injustice Year five number one and two, Black Canary number seven, Gotham Academy number fourteen, Catwoman number forty eight, Batman sixty six meets the Man from Uncle number two, Secret Six number ten. Justice League 3001, number 8, We Are Robin, number 8, and Midnighter, number 8. Now, out of this list, I think some of these ones that are worth noting about is, one, Black Canary, number 7. Um, if you'll notice, Black Canary, number 7, this Black Canary, this is the first time it's actually appeared in the Books in Danger category, and I think it's attributed to the fact that the delays have finally caught up with this book. Um, number 7 released six weeks after number 6 released, uh, making a January book instead of a December book as it was initially supposed to be. Um, but the delays, I think, are having a toll on this title. Um, I can't say that I'm a huge fan of what has been happening overall in the series. Um, initially, the, the series started off and it was interesting. I've kind of lost interest in it more recently with some of the more recent issues. Um, but I think that the delays are really is what's killing that book. That's a, It dropped 27% from the previous month. Um, Gotham Academy, or not Gotham Academy, uh, Catwoman number 48 is, has dropped now down to 14K, which in any other way, shape, or form would be canceled. Um, shows that maybe they should not have jumped, uh, ship from Genevieve Valentine and switched over Frank Thierry. Maybe they should have stayed where they were at, even if it was a low number in the 20s. Uh, it was consistently in those numbers instead of having the drop that it continually, it continues to have. Uh, now the one thing that's, inter- that's interesting is Midnighter, which 
is that 10K, which this is mainstay. This book, is, there's no way it'll ever come back after Rebirth. But the other book worth noting is We Are Robin, which dropped down to 12K, Ooh. which is horrendous, absolutely horrendous. Um, Got to say, yeah. that's another title that, uh, you know, I, I actually enjoyed the February issue, which was not this issue, so it's not relevant. But the January issue... It's interesting that it dropped that low and it took this long for it to drop because I have not been a fan of the series as a whole up until last month's issue, which you guys didn't like. But the, the fact that it's that low, it just shows that the idea of this group of characters, it just is not clicking with fans. So. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I don't think we're, I mean, we are Robin just doesn't, isn't working. And the last issue that you liked, didn't think worked either. So, I, but we I mean, we're kind of bearing the lead because we're about to talk about rebirth in a minute. But we know what books are dead and which ones aren't. So, yes. Yeah. Now, I, I will say this. You know, the thing is, the I think the word the thing worth noting about this specifically is that, or specifically about We Are Robin is just like I haven't liked the direction that the series has gone since the beginning. I didn't like the idea of trying to give us this backstory of a character that we really didn't, that we really don't need a backstory to if it's not going to be a character that there's a future for, unless of course that is the future of the character. But the other problem is that they've spent very little time, there was a review that was done on the website for the issue right after one of the main Robins was killed, and the, the, the review basically said, you know, I feel more for the person who's dead than I do of any of the remaining characters because I feel like I know more about them and I have more of an emotional connection to the person who's dead than any of the remaining Robins. And that's wow. basically the gist of Wowzers. the way the yes. I felt for the, for the title as well. I mean, you like they have not built the characters. Lee Bermejo has not built the characters in a way where you want to get behind these characters. Even when they were involved in Robin War, they were just kind of like, there and when you threw them in the mix with the other established characters that have previously been Robins, they actually look even worse. They just basically come across as these morons who decided to wear the R but don't realize what's the what it actually means to wear it. So that being said, I have to say, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, this I don't think in any way this was meant to last past twelve issues anyway, but it's definitely not going to be something that I think anybody's going to be dying over. So Nope. All right. So with that, uh, that is everything for the numbers. As always, check out the numbers yourself. See what books are doing doing well. If you have comments for Terry on any of the points that he makes in the actual article itself, leave those comments on there and he'll get back to you with replies. So... Look forward to the numbers for the next, for, for February, not by next week when we record next week's episode, but probably before, well, it would be before the end of the month. So it would be the end of the, the last episode, uh, that we record in March, which will be actually releasing in April will be the episode that will have, um, us talking about, uh, numbers for February and seeing how well that does considering they have announced some of the details behind what is going to happen with Rebirth. So, regarding Rebirth, hmm, let's talk about Rebirth. So, this ought to be fun. 
So basically, the first thing to mention is that right there was a thing that happened right before. Actually, now that I'm thinking, I think we recorded right after, but we didn't discuss it. Um, on February 15th, it was there was a thing that there there was a picture. Now you might remember initially at the end of January when uh, DC announced Rebirth, but announced just in the hey we're teasing whatever it is. There was a blue curtain with the word Rebirth. That was it. Let the minds wander for like two, two, three more weeks until they actually re- re- release this new image, which is basically Rebirth. Same curtain that says it's not a reboot and it never was. So that's what they left you with, and everyone was like, "Oh, okay." So that that's that's good to know. Um, and then it was three late three days later after we actually recorded the episode that they actually came through and said exactly what uh, so the, the gist of what they're doing is. So the, the, the basic idea behind what Rebirth is, is that it starts off with a one-shot by Jeff Johns, illustrated by some of his, uh, some of his previous collaborators, Ivan Rice, uh, Ethan Van Skyver, Gary Frank, Phil Jimenez. Um, and this issue will come out in May, the very end of May. It'll be 80 pages. And it'll be called DC Universe Rebirth Number One. Um, the basic gist of this is, if, if you are familiar with what Jeff Johns has done with Green Lantern and Flash, it's basically as if he's doing the same thing with the entire DC Universe now, mm-hmm. um, because he did the same thing in Flash Rebirth and Green Lantern Rebirth. Um, so, what does this mean for all of the books? Well, the most of the books are going to be relaunched with Number Ones. But it's not a reboot. They're not saying it's a reboot. It's not a fresh start. It's just they're going to have number ones. Uh, they're, I guess they're getting into the, the game that Marvel plays every other year. Wow. Um, and the, uh, the exceptions to the number ones are action comics and detective comics, which will go back to their old numbering. So that big thing that they had to do, you know, five years ago when they launched the New 52 and the ginormous deal that they made as to, well, it would, this, uh, renumbering and the re, the New 52 reboot would mean nothing if we did not renumber our previous titles of action comics and detective comics. Now, being the Batman fan that I am, detective comics was without a, what, well, is was the longest running series that DC never renumbered. Action Comics actually got renumbered a couple different times, but Detective Comics actually never was renumbered before the New 52. And that was kind of one of those things where, you know, I remember an interview that was done at Comic-Con right before the New 52 launched that they said, well, we talked, we had various different ideas. One of the things we talked about was we talked about what if we re- renumbered everything except for detective in action? And they basically said, but if we did that, it would show that we weren't, we weren't taking this as seriously as we wanted to. But here we are five years later and the same people who said that are now renumbering them back to the original numbers. Whatever. Anyway, that also means within three years, all, both of those series will, re- will hit their 1000th issue, which is worth noting because there are no other series that have that many issues that have released in the time that they have, you know, since their conception. So, um, it also said that one of the other big details that's worth noting is that they said that everything is going to be going back to being priced at two ninety nine, which mm-hmm. is great, which is great, except yeah. for 
the majority of the core books will going, be going bi-weekly, which means if you're reading a book and you're, you're currently paying $3.99 for the issue starting in June, or well, not June, but in July when, when these actual things start, which we'll get to in a second, those issues will be releasing two issues per month, which means instead of paying $4 per month to read that one series, you'll be reading, you'll be paying $6 a month to read that same series. So. Why, while it's great that that's happening, that, well, you know, that's what it is. I think we should break this down to pieces, right? So the, about the renumbering stuff that you're talking about, right? So I wasn't able to figure this out. I'm sure you know this. Are we going back? Are the, the detective comics that came out, is there going to be a gap in the numbering or is it just going to go right back to the old numbering system? Or does the new 52 ones get assigned old numbers as well? Are they just? My understanding, what I read online was that the they're going back to the old numbers plus the 52 issues that have released despite the fact that there was you know a zero issue and there will be a uh there's the villains month which like detective comics had four issues in that one month but because the in may it's number 52 that releases you just take the old number add 52 to it and that'll be what it is <laughs> okay all right, so so that you never would be able to have that perfect collection, right? Oh yeah, there's no way. There's going to be a big gap there. Yeah. Um. So that's you know that's not great. Um. I don't know. I this this part of it is probably the the, the part I care about the least, to be honest with you. Um. It kind of shows the overall nonsensical nature of the people running the place. I mean, if you were going to make this commitment, going back and changing the numbering to me really doesn't mean anything at this point. They should just kept the numbering or just move forward. So that's the, my whole thoughts on the, the numbering debacle. And the pricing, by the way, the pricing, did you see that they're dropping the page count page? The, the rumor is they're dropping the page count in the books too. Oh, it's not a rumor. It's confirmed. I just saw it last night. Oh. Jim Lee had tweeted out. Someone asked how many pages is it going to be? And it's, he said each issue will be 20 pages. So 20 pages now for two ninety nine, which means all those two ninety nine books we were getting, are now going to go to 20 pages, right? Yep. So your run-of-the-mill books are going to be only 20 pages long, which from a narrative point of view, I mean, so, and this is going to come off as a joke, but I'm kind of serious. Would this mean, we were all thinking, well, you get a Scott Snyder story now and 12 issues, you know, that'll be six months. Is it going to take 15 issues because you only get 20 pages per issue? Well, that's, that's a good point. It also is worth pointing out that... Scott Snyder, normally when his issues are oversized, they're 40 pages, which would be a one-month issue, and that is basically what it will be now yeah. per month. So um, I definitely agree with you in that regard. I mean, the thing with the the pricing thing, the 20 pages, I think currently the it's supposed to be, what, 24 pages? For 24 for regular. Yeah, so four-page drop count. You know, I'm not a huge fan of the fact that the price is going up. Uh, or well, you're getting less for the same price if you're buying, you know, if you were buying a $2.99 comic. But in some ways, it also might help out some of the other issues that they have, which is as a consumer, it's not necessarily a, it's well, it's not, it's not a good thing. I as a consumer don't care whether or not they get their crap together, other than whether or not I paid for, you know, I, I buy the, their product or not. But as a as a person that reviews their material and hates delays. Having four less pages might help because there's been plenty of issues of Batman and Robin Eternal where 
the last four pages of an issue look like crap because they have some fill-in artists come in and hurry up and finish it for somebody. So maybe that's the, maybe the other reason why the page count's going down is because they're trying to like not have so much work per issue for their artists, which they're going to get slammed for too. Yeah. Well, please continue with the rest of the news. Although Stella, you have not told us what you think about this price change yet. Well, the books I'm reading, it won't really impact, uh, I suppose, except, um, well, I mean, it's just going to be the same money that I'm shelling out, honestly. Yeah, so, uh, I have no problem. I think, you know, if I were the person who were, who was a completist and, and getting all of these, uh, these big titles, then I'd, I'd be pretty upset about it. But, uh, honestly, because I'm paying $3.99 for the vast majority of my, probably all, uh, maybe not Ms. Marvel, uh, but of my Marvel comics that, um, <clears throat> I'm okay with <laughs> this being $2.99. Uh, as for the number ones business, it's, it's a little annoying. Uh, but I've dealt with it before. I mean, Marvel does it often, very often. Uh, like I think I said in a previous episode that I have at least three number ones for Captain Marvel in like her run with Kelly Sue DeConnick. So, you know, if this is the only one that we're going to have, then, um, that'd be great. But who knows what'll happen, you know, in a couple more years. So the initial announcement was actually revealed through a video by Jeff Johns, which it's interesting that they had Jeff Johns roll it out. I think Jeff Johns is one of the few executives at the company. He's not even one of the top executives as far as the comic part goes because he is, what is it, the uh, CCO of DC Entertainment? Chief Creative Officer. Yeah, of DC Entertainment, but not DC Comics. Um, and he he works alongside or with, you know, the producers and things for the movies and the TV shows. And I know that he's also involved in some ways with some of the video games that they, they, they work on and things like that. So it makes sense that out of all the executives, he's probably the one executive that people aren't like throwing tomatoes at when they stand up on stage compared to Jim Lee and Dan DiDio and some of the other people. Um, so that being said, it makes sense that he rolled out that they rolled out that video with featuring him rather than Dan DiDio, which everybody I think oh, but it's just gone. It the general lost consensus, it. <laughs> general consensus is that if Dan DiDio would have made that video, everyone would have just it would have been a giant uproar. Um, Jim Lee, yeah, I don't think he's like as hated as Dan DiDio is, but I don't think he's uh, played his cards as well as he could have the last few years with the New Fifty Two and how much he promoted it prior to it if he wasn't actually behind it. But anyway, um, Jeff Johns when he was talking in the video that they rolled out talking about it. He did say he did bring up Birds of Prey, saying that uh, Birds of Prey would include Barbara, Helena, and Dinah again. Um, he also mentioned creators like James Tinian and the Bad Office, but didn't link them to anything specific. Um, he did also, there was also, right before the announcement came out for Rebirth, it was also revealed that DC had signed exclusives with Tom King, Clay Mann, and John Timms, which I believe we talked about in the last episode. Um and Tom King, which we also, I, I'm positive we talked about this last episode. Um, we, we have almost pretty much guaranteed that he's going to be attached to something related to Batman in general, whether it be Batman or Detective or some other book that's Batman related. But, uh, Clay Man, glad to see that he's got an exclusive contract since, uh, his work on Poison Ivy I've actually really enjoyed. So, 
that that all being a, that all putting that all aside, um, the other information to release was the actual list of the books. Now they said that in the end of at the end of March uh, at WonderCon, which kind of uh, biffs me because uh, WonderCon happens to be the week after C two E two, C two E two, which I attend. So you won't myself. learn anything. I at won't C2 learn E2. Jack. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know. I, I doubt DC will even show up to C two E two if they're having a major event the week after at WonderCon. Um, so that's kind of sucky that uh, that's happening. But uh, at WonderCon, which is the last weekend of the month, also happens to be the same weekend that Batman v Superman comes out. I'm sure that's not a coincidence at all. I'm, I'm saying that with seriousness. I'm not being sarcastic here. That is, I'm sure, coincidence that they're, they just happen to be having this giant announcement of all of this stuff the same weekend because I feel like that actually takes away from people po- potentially going to the movies if they're, they're diehard comic fans, but whatever. They, at WonderCon, they'll be announcing a lot of the creative teams attached to the series that are coming out. Uh, the, basically starting in June, we're going to see Rebirth specials, which are just one shots dealing with these characters. And then there will be issues that will start shipping monthly, twice monthly. And then there are a couple issues that will, that will ship, uh, just monthly. Um, so, but at WonderCon, they will not only be revealing some of it, but they'll also be doing a live stream of the entire announcement panel, whatever they're calling it on DC's YouTube channel so that everyone can watch it, which is a first because kind of cool though. It is, and I'll give them props for this. It's like a sporting event, really. Yeah, it's it's really smart for them to do this because I don't know how many times I've complained about the fact that, like, I at this point in time, Comic Con is as large as it is. I don't understand why they don't live stream some of the panels. It doesn't make any sense. You know, I don't know that live streaming the panels is going to take away from people showing up to Comic Con. Not come on. Yeah, exactly. So why not do it? There's other conventions, smaller conventions. That live stream panels, not everything, but they live stream, uh, you know, good majority of the popular panels. I believe C2E2 does some. New York Comic Con, I know, does some. Um, I don't know who else does it, but I know that those two do it. And I, and I remember distinctly remembering there was a C2E2 panel last year that I was actually sitting in that I saw the cameras and I was like, it's awesome that they're live streaming this. This is amazing. And C2E2 is not sold out every year like Comic-Con is. So I don't understand why Comic-Con doesn't do it. It doesn't make any sense. I can understand not doing the live stream for some of the media events, you know, for the stuff for the shows and the movies because they don't want necessarily that footage out there. But the fact that they end up releasing the footage afterwards anyway, or it ends up getting pirated and you can't see it and and everybody sees the bad copy and then you have everybody complaining that, oh, it's so bad that you can't just have something special for the people at Comic-Con. It's like, Wow, yeah, the people who go to Comic-Con who spend an enormous amount of money to go to Comic-Con, and they're there as fans, they get to see all this stuff. Not everybody has the money to go to Comic-Con. I mean, it's a lot of money to go to Comic-Con. Yeah. Plus, I think they're, they're, they're missing out on a, on a, here comes the business to me, and a real money-making opportunity. Just think about it. If you could lie, if you, if you had an app, like on your PlayStation 4, or your Fire Stick, whatever your stream devices, since they're so prevalent now, Right, and you could buy a subscription to Comic Con, where you could go in, pick what room you wanted to, to watch it from. They could get, or just pay ten bucks and be able to stream whatever you want yeah. from any of the events. You, that you, would make sense. You know that people would buy that. Hell, we oh, buy I know it. they would. I'd buy it a minute. I'd be like, oh, really? Oh, okay, you know, like, yeah. 
It'd I mean, be a heck of a lot easier than trying to yeah. put stuff together other ways. Yeah, I mean, I just think you're missing an opportunity. And I think that the more prevalent, like, the streaming technology becomes, right, I think in the future we may start to see that. Um, because I'm sure could, we will. You know, you, you could do something like that, and I would pay for it, especially Comic-Con, where it's not like a C2E2 or some of the other conventions that are great conventions, but they're not selling out every single ticket, right? Like, Comic-Con's got a waiting list, so they're not going to be able to sell any more memberships. This might be the only way for them to really make more make money. more money. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we all know that's what they're all about, so, yeah. um, so off-topic, kind of. But No, not off-topic at all. I mean, I definitely agree with that. So let's go through. So basically, the gist of it is that weekend on March 26th, which I'm sure we'll have the exact details of when it'll all be happening by the time we record the next episode. If not, we'll have something on the website. Uh, we've talked about doing a, a, a variety of different things for this, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. But anyway, my understanding is that, well, okay, the official press release listed it as this. They said that the Rebirth title lineup was announced as follows. So for June, and I'm just going through the, the Batman books, the TBU books, because I don't want to go through the entire slew of DC Universe books. Okay. The books that we would cover on the website and we would cover as part of our Greater Gotham. In June, Rebirth specials for Batman and Titans. And then we have, uh, as of June as well, the issues that will be shipping twice monthly out of the TBU books will just be Batman. Then there also in June, we will see Detective Comics, which will renumber at 934. And that's when we'll have that. So, hmm. um, that's that's the TV books. Now the, the disconnect is what happens because that's not a lot of books that they're releasing in June. Then that's uh, you know outside of the T, uh, you know for the entire DC books, there's only ten issues actually or ten series releasing a total of total of eighteen issues for the entire month. Well, I was about to ask you, does anybody know? I can't find an answer on this, and I, and I think you guys saw that DC basically said they're not doing solicits for that month, or they're not yeah. putting them out early. Um, Will the rest of the books that aren't getting a rebirth, will we get like a, I don't know, like we're going to get like a, a Black Canary issue this month, like the last one, or not? Are these the only books coming out from DC? Does anybody know? I don't think anybody knows, and that's okay. what I'm talking about. Like I, That's why I was trying to figure out the confirmation before we talked about this, because yeah, yeah, the, it doesn't make any sense, because they're rolling out the rebirth stuff not all in the same month, which is abnormal. It's actually a really smart way to do it marketing-wise. But it's it's abnormal for DC not to roll out a lot of stuff at once. Um, they're still rolling out stuff. But I thought to myself, does this mean that in this, in June all the Rebirth titles are coming out, the one-shots, I mean, and then the rollout of the actual series will start in June and then you know move forward from there. But there's no confirmation anywhere, so I'm hoping that gets clarified at some point. So then moving into July, the TBU books that we will get for Rebirth Specials will be Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, Justice League, and Nightwing, as well as Red Hood and the Outlaws. All of those will be receiving one-shots for Rebirth. Then the new issues that will be shipping twice per month will be Nightwing and Justice League. And shipping monthly, so not two issues per month, but only one, will be Batgirl, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, Red Hood and the Outlaws, and Titans. So there's already a disconnect here because the Titans, Titans Rebirth, Rebirth, yeah, the Titans Rebirth comes out in June, but the Titans series doesn't start till July. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then, uh, so then 
after July, they just kind of left it up in the air as to when these fall. other series will start because they yeah. have labeled it as fall. Uh, sometime in fall, we will see Batman Beyond get a rebirth one shot. We will see Earth 2 get a one shot. Suicide Squad get a re, uh, one shot. Teen Titans get a one shot as well as Trinity, which anyone in the right mind could res- assume that it's Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Would think so. Yeah. Um, and then n- new issues that will ship twice per month include Harley Quinn, Justice League of America, and Suicide Squad. Or I should, it's listed as Justice League America, not of America. I don't know if that was a typo or not. Um, and then the new new number one issue shipping monthly will include Batman Beyond, Earth 2, Gotham Academy next semester, and Teen Titans as well as Trinity. So, and that's not to say they couldn't do other things as well, moving, you know, down the line, since yeah. they've left this so vague with the fall release. Yeah, even one thing that jumps out about the fall release that I think is almost hysterical. So if they do shut everything else down, there's an excellent chance that since these don't come out fall and then July is the last of the rebirth issues, that when Suicide Squad comes out in August, they might not actually be a Suicide Squad title. Think about that. Well, I agree. <laughs> that is weird. And I thought about that already. But the one thing that I think is strange is that thing? they say June and they say July and, and then fall. They, they, they fall. I mean, I guess in some way, I, I was thinking about this. And I was like, well, fall earliest possible that I would consider any month to be fall would be September. There's no way I would ever consider August to be a fall month. But that's might be what they're in, you know, they're implying by not just listing it as fall because some of these aren't going to probably release all in the same month. This is just what they have planned as other titles. So as far so so okay so that's the list of the books. So what's interesting though is when you look at this series the the list of books that is the books that are clearly missing there there are titles that are we are currently covering on the website that are completely gone. Yes. Uh Midnighter is one of them, Black Canary is one of them. Uh Gotham Academy holds on and gets a whole new series, uh Black, uh Gotham Academy next semester. Uh they get rid of Batman Superman. Uh it also there's Catwoman's also a, dead. Yeah, Catwoman's gone. Harley Quinn doesn't come back until the fall, which seems strange. And I guess the only reason behind that could be the fact that hopefully, or maybe they're thinking we don't want to, we maybe have started to oversaturate and they're pulling back a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, when the Suicide Squad movie's coming out, that's, I I would bet you dollars to pesos that that fall, there'll be a Harley Quinn number one and a Suicide Squad number one on the racks the day that movie comes out. God, if they're not, they're just, but I would agree. I mean, like, there's no, there's no debate about that. I think that's probably the case. Um, I just think they left it vaguely open as fall because they want to say that all these are going to launch in August and then they don't. Exactly. And if they just said, oh, by the way, we're just releasing these series that were correlate with the release of Suicide Squad, that would look bad. But, but anyway, the, the point is there's, there's series that aren't happening. The other thing to take in consideration is, who knows what they're going to be doing as far as digital books because a lot of the digital books yeah. that, are, that we're currently reviewing on the site will run their course and be over with before the rebirth starts. Like Batman 66 meets the man from uncle will be done. Uh, I believe injustice wraps up July. I think it is. Uh, that'll be done. I, I don't DC comics bombshell is probably the only one that we're currently reviewing that will continue on past Rebirth because digital stuff is generally unaffected by this, but it leaves some gaps in the schedule as far as what will they release instead of the series that they're currently doing. Um, 
not that it really is that big of a difference one way or the other, but it's interesting just to note that. Um, but it's, it's interesting because we'll have a Titans book, we'll have a Teen Titans book. Um, th- that's the one difference. We had heard rumors that Teen Titans could feature Damien, and that's why we're not seeing a Robin book. Um, there is the Trinity book, which basically the, I, I guess the idea behind that is that they have eliminated Batman Superman and Superman Wonder Woman and just combined it into one series. Um, but, you know, I'm not really, like, looking at this list, I'm not really taken aback and, like, upset about anything specifically. Uh, the stuff that's eliminated, like, I would have liked to see some of these series, like, I believe that the Poison Ivy series has been really good, but it, I know that it was just a mini series to begin with. Um, that's not to say they couldn't do something down the line with the character. Um, you know, Catwoman's gone, but honestly, in the direction that Catwoman's been going, it's not really that big of a deal. So, yeah. I mean, like, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, until we start to see who's attached to these series, maybe it's not really that big of a deal to begin with. I don't like the fact that there seems to be like we're losing, and I know they weren't selling that well, and I get it, I do, but we're losing like all the fringe books, Prez, Poison Ivy, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is the definition of a meat and potatoes relaunch. And I don't, I know it's not a relaunch, it's not a reboot, whatever. But this is all the meat and potatoes titles, right? Like, I mean, I guess Gotham Academy next semester is the, is the fringe title, but this is like right down the line of check, 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 you know? I mean, there yeah. doesn't seem to be anything real inventive in here. Um, yeah, it just seems... there is a blue beetle that, that blue that's be- one of the that one has surprised me as well as whatever Super Sons is. I don't know. It's not, it have nothing is. to do with it has nothing to do with TBU, but I, there's there's been very few surprises when it comes to TBU books recently. Yeah, there just doesn't seem to be, and there's nothing here that like I, I love the Jason Todd character. Everyone knows that, but like Red Hood is kind of like give us a Tim Drake book, switch it up, like for a a rebirth, reboot, whatever, and anyone. Who's probably here is Red Flash Rebirth and Green Lantern Rebirth. What it is, it's going to be a soft reboot, right? Like, John's going to do something and tell some story where we go, all this happened and it all doesn't count and here's what is the new reality. That's what's going to happen, right? I think that is what's going to happen. Yeah, so you're going to have like, okay, so, and it'll be like a Flashpoint or a Ant Monitor or whatever, and it'll be, okay, so we're going to jiggery-pokery, we're going to fix all this stuff, Right. But there's nothing I don't think here. They're gonna fix. I don't think they're gonna fix everything. I think some of it's gonna stay where it's at. Exactly. And some, some of it's gonna go back. Like, I think uh, you know the fact that he distinctly mentioned the Birds of Prey, and we see that there's a Birds of Prey book, and he dis- he he said that it was going to be Barbara, Helena, and Dinah. That and means sir? they have to they have to get rid of uh, you know Helena. From which uh, Helena is it going to be? Is it going to be? Well, it's not going to be the one from Grayson. It's going to be the original one from pre New Fifty Two. So I mean, there's certain characters that I think are going to be revamped, rebooted per se, or just redone back to the way they were pre New Fifty Two. Would you not say that it'd be Earth Two, the one that came in and had her own little mini, and that was with um, Power Girl? Yeah, Power Girl. I wouldn't say it's her either because that was Helena Wayne. I mean, that's probably the closest character to what we saw pre-New 52, but I don't know that that's what they're going to do either. I mean, like, there's already an Earth 2 book, and she went back to Earth 2, so... Yeah, but, I mean, in this kind of world, they can, they can reestablish the rules kind of any way they want to. Sure. I mean, they're going to be able to come through and pick and choose. I just, to me, this doesn't... It's so much of it is just... There was no wow in it. I mean, Blue Beetle's cool, but I mean, the rest of it is just like, 
two Batmans, two Green Lanterns, two Green Arrows, two Flashes, two. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's well, the thing is the problem is looking at their sales and their numbers. I don't blame them for doing this. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong, right? Yeah. You look at some of the books that, you know, we just talked about sales numbers before this, and you look at some of the books that have really bad sales numbers, like they're below 20K. And, you know, as much as some of those books we enjoy, if people aren't buying them, they're not buying them. And there's no reason for them to put effort into a book that isn't selling what they needed to sell. I mean, like, it's just the reality of it. I mean, like, Omega Men is probably the best example. We've, you know, I've said, you've said... Right. You know, that the, yeah. the series is really good. But if people don't buy it, there's no reason for them to keep producing it. it. This is, you know, DC is not a small company that can't afford to produce books that sell less than 10K issues per month. I just, I also don't like the doubling down. I don't like the twice monthly stuff. I really don't. I mean, and only from how many times have we ever seen this work? Over a long period of time. Uh, there you go. Uh, never. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, like, I get the meat and potato books. I do. I mean, I get you got to have flash green air. I, I get all that. But I don't like the twice monthly. I really don't. I, I much preferred. What is the current page count on Batman right now? What is it, 40, 36 pages? 32. 32. 32 is the normal. I would much rather have a consistent Batman come out every month with a writer and, a, and an artist with 32 pages for three ninety nine than two 20-page, two ninety nine books. You know what I'm saying? Like, I agree. I definitely agree with that. And I think the other problem is, the, the in, to a degree, there are some ways where they're looking at, uh, like when you look at the list of the, the books they're getting per, you know, tw- two per month, you know, we talked about this when we were talking about some of the rumors, and one of the rumors was that some of the titles were going to be two per month. And the biggest complaint at the time was, well, how many of them are actually going to do this? And there's way, way more than you would, than, than oh, I would yeah. have ever thought. There's way more that are getting two issues per month compared to before. I mean, like, I'm not trying to criticize any of these characters that I'm about to mention, but let's think about this logically. I don't know the sales numbers for some of these, so maybe they're warranted, but I don't know that Cyborg really needs to get twice two a month. Per month. Yeah. Destro, probably not. No. He's had one series in the New 52. It got canceled. Then they, 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 he has a new series, which in some ways is getting canceled yet again, unless they end up with the same exact creative team, which defeats the whole purpose of this. And I swear, I have to say this now, if Scott Lobdell comes back and is on Red Hood and the Outlaws, I'm done. I'm gonna yeah. ban that book from the site. It's probably not, but I'd like to. I really would. Dude, I, 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 I it's, the twice a month thing's just a bad idea. And some of them I don't get, like you said. I mean, I did think it was weird. This is the one I really want to hear. Stella, can, can you remember a time where Batgirl was headlining two books a month before with she's Batgirl and Batgirl and the Birds of Prey? Um, no. I couldn't think. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't either. Um, but I think the the I think the gist behind that is that instead of having the the reason behind that, I think is that if you have Batgirl, you can have one creative team, and then you can have Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, which will be a whole nother creative team. That's probably what will end up happening instead of having just two issues of Batgirl or two issues of Birds. Of yeah, no, that, and that makes sense. I'm sure that's why it is the way it is. Th- that makes sense. Um, I don't know. This just, I'm not sure what version of the characters we're going to get. D- let's be honest. DC may not be sure what version of the characters they're going to give us. You know? Um, I think that's why they haven't released creators yet. I don't think they've um, hammered all of that out completely. 
Oh, I think that's definitely <laughs> the reason. Totally because, true. <laughs> because that's also why we have that uh, uh, ambiguous fall release date, too. <laughs> When's it coming? I don't know. Like, dude, I'm sorry. Fall could, and fall could mean as late as November to some people. So, I mean, like, we literally could see some of this stuff, some of this stuff stretched out for months. Now, which I mean is not so far removed from what Marvel has done where they have like four months of number ones. Now, here's the, the, the question that we have to talk about because I believe it's in our contracts. So what do you think happens with our current Batman creative team? We all thought last time that he was going to go to Snyder and Cap whenever he comes back. We're going to go to Detective because it was going to be once a month. Remember that was the original rumor? Like he's going to go because once a month. But now it's uh, they're all twice a month. Do you think that Snyder's just gone from Batman completely? I'm convinced I know exactly where he's going. Pray tell. I'm convinced that the two of them are going to be headlining Trinity. Oh, and the oh, and the the ambiguous fall book. The ambiguous fall because one six months will have passed. I don't know what I well I don't know what Snyder's going to do for six months. He could still write something else while they're while he's waiting. But because like realistically, if if Batman and Detective start in uh, in June, he could do three months before. Uh, well, let's see how many months would he have to be? He'd have to do four months before Capullo would come back. It's about half the story for him. Yeah, so that's well. I mean, but if he's on either one of those series, that would be eight issues. Yeah. So so I mean, like when you put it that way, I mean that's entirely possible. And he could headline just, it, dude. Yeah, they could put him and Tenyon on the book, like Scott Snyder and James Tenyon. Much like they did with Eternal One, right? Yeah. Put both their names on the book and then just phase Snyder out after a couple months. And that's, that might be the case, but I'm that convinced that they're probably going to be on Trinity because be Snyder awesome. said multiple times that he wants to work with Wonder Woman. Trinity, despite the fact that it's three headlining characters, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, it's listed only as monthly, which is a huge thing because it's the only book that's a main character or main team book that's not twice per month. And there's no reason behind that unless you had one artist who was going to be on the book. And you didn't want to, you know, jack that up with more than one artist. So I'm convinced that that's where they're going to end up. And it's probably going to come out sometime like October. I could get behind that book, by the way. I think that would be really good. I, and then so that maybe means we'll end up with King and Tenyon, right? I mean, from... from again, I wouldn't be opposed to either one of, you know, no, 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 both... No. Or one or the other, either. And plus the thing, too, again, what we really have to, to keep in front of us here is the most important thing about all this news is how it affects us personally. So for the podcast, it's going to be super easy. It's going to be like, we got a Batman and Detective Comics every two weeks. And I guess what, you know, we'll cover maybe Nightwing or something, but so we have two Batmans a month and two Detectives a month. It's going to be easy. Now, the other real quick thing to talk about in relation to creators is that there's a little bit of news that popped up right, right, uh, on March 4th. Where Image, that's another co- comic company that's not Marvel or DC, um, they have an expo at Emerald City Comic Con where they like roll out a lot of their big announcements that are coming up for the coming year, uh, because they're based out of, uh, Seattle like Emerald City Comic Con. And there was an interesting announcement that said, um, that Babstar, Brendan Fletcher, and Cameron Stewart are all set to appear together at Image Expo which would lead a few people at least to believe that they are probably not going to be on any of the Batgirl stories or any other DC book going forward, at least as a team, because Babs Tar is not going to be on two separate company books at a time. That's just not likely to happen. So, so um, 
That's that, and, and that has kind of been like breezed past by a lot of outlets, but very, very interesting to know. Stella, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, well, I just saw a news story today that it's pretty definite. They're going to announce their image title, uh, soon. So, um, so she's off <laughs> That's pretty much, that's it, right? Uh, Batgirl, there's another news, uh, thing that I can't remember if it's a Brazilian writer or a Brazilian artist, but they're sort of already pushing towards some new creative team. Um, I, I think that's Batgirl cool. is going to be completely new creative team, and I'm going to put my guess in right now that, uh, Gil Simone's coming back for Birds. Oh, no, don't say that. Yep. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They would. Would they, that'd be like a, she, no. that'd be like a wake nightmare, wouldn't it? I mean. <laughs> it depends. It's... Somebody asked me this before. Oh, it was Michael Bailey. I was recording with him. And I said, here, here's the thing. You know, um, I've seen Gail Simone as a good writer and I've seen Gail Simone on Backroll, uh, volume five, I guess it'd be, you know, for New 52. And I think there's the Gail Simone that has, uh, free run. Uh, free reign and creativity and nothing's, you know, pushed down, um, open access. And I think very open with editorial. And then I think there's the Gil Simone. And this is honestly my conspiracy theory that when new 52 came out, I think there's just a lot of editorial pressure that I just made it not good. So it depends on which Gail Simone we see, because she had really some great stuff, uh, pre flashpoint universe, so if we saw that Gail Simone and it came, that'd be great. But, um, unfortunately, you know, if it's the Gail Simone that started the new 52, no, I, I wouldn't be happy. Um, but you know, all I can do really is, is give her a fair shake. But I honestly think that really that's think the, that. that's the person who's going to, uh, I don't know, helm, helm Brick's prey. Here, here's the only issue. Here's the only issue with your theory, your conspiracy theory. <laughs> Which is... Which one? Gail Simone or the fact that... Which, no, no. No, the Gail Simone. Um, well, the well, Secret Six is gone. That was That's her title she's yeah, right now. the Secret Six is gone, yes. That, she's been offered something. Gone. She just hasn't said what it is. It's Batman. Oh! Yeah, because I did see some tweets by her saying that. that but my, my thing is this. If she was controlled by editorial, when she, you know, got fired slash dismissed or whatever it was back when she was on Batgirl... Remember how she disappeared for like two months and then it came out that, oh, she was fired, but it was through an email and, oh, the editor was so bad and so horrible. And then there was this giant fan outcry and then she got back on the book two months later. Mm-hmm. Remember when that all happened? I do. The very interesting thing is in that short time frame when she took it upon herself to reveal that she was fired through email, that she was kicked off the book, that she had an idea. She never once said that the book was being controlled by editorial and that was the direction it was going. And I don't know if it's because she just chose not to. It doesn't make any sense because she was already kind of like on the outs at that point. And that's also when she started working, taking work at other companies as well was during that same time frame. But if it was controlled by editorial, which I'm not debating at all, I think a lot of stuff was controlled heavily by editorial when the New 52 started. She, at some point, even now when she's not even working with the character, it feels like she would have said something at some point. I mean, like, she doesn't, she's never been the type of person who holds her jabs when, you know, coming to, you know, speaking her mind. So I don't know why stuff like that wouldn't have come out by now, now that we're almost five years away from that, you know, that event. There is a, there is a certain amount of, they're writing me a paycheck. 
maybe I shouldn't bite him. I mean, even Gail Simone, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but she said in the past that she's been offered other work at other places. I believe she's currently writing Red Sonia Red or something. Red Sonia and Secret Six, I think, are her two current books. Yeah. And Red Sonia, I mean, obviously, he's probably not going to pull in as much as Secret Six one way or the other. But, I mean, like, I don't know if she, I'm not saying she has to go at the lengths of saying, like, hey, everybody, if you hated my work at the New 52, it's all DC's fault, not mine. Well, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, like, there's ways that you could insinuate that there was a lot of control from editorial on the creators, at least the for the mid-level books, not the top-tier books that were headlined by Grant Morrison and Scott Snyder and, you know, the other headliners, Jeff Johns. Like, they're not being controlled by editorial like, say, the mid-level books that are, you know, just in that, you know, 20 to 40K range. You know, to be fair, I've heard seen a lot of rumors, though. I saw a rumor online that that we could get a Batman wrote by Gail Simone with art by Kelly Jones. So, you know. Okay. Well, moving on now because oh that's just making crap up now. <laughs> yeah, so that's that I can't say that for is... shock factor. I hope you people know, but I that's what I think. That's what I think it's possible. I, all kidding aside, I, I like digging at Dustin about his favorite artist sometimes. But yep. um, I think that's – I mean, Secret Six is gone. She, I bet she's got a book in here, and I can't think of one that she would probably be better – you know, from a publicity viewpoint of putting her back on Birds of Prey, I could seriously see that. Yeah. I would not necessarily be opposed if, like you said, Stella, if it was stuff that she was doing pre New 52. Because I do not like her characterization of Barbara in the Batgirl costume once the New 52 started. And that's probably why my dislike for her, because I never really despised what she was doing with Birds of Prey before the New 52. It's just once she got a hold of Barbara Gordon by herself in her own series, it was like, oh my God, what is this? And then it all started to go downhill of my, you know, uh, exception of, uh, of, uh no, 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 I'm saying, uh, acceptance, acceptance oh, okay. of her work. But yeah, so that's rebirth. I'm sure we'll have maybe a little bit more news next week. Probably not because there's, they're not revealing a whole lot. It's, they're spacing this stuff out and I think they're doing it in small increments so that the internet does not break on them. So I, I think it, honestly, it'll be WonderCon before we get any news of any note, you know? Yeah. Which, like I said, the, the, not the n- next week's episode that I promised you guys will have next week, but the episode, uh, after that will be recording that episode, uh, right during the, the the time that they announced all of that stuff, and we'll make sure that that would be episode 185 that we released. That we'll talk all about Rebirth and the creative team announcements. So, but that is all the news. So with that, we're going to dive straight into our books, and the very first one we have is Dark Knight Three. Dark Knight Three, the Master Race number three, writers. Miller and Ezzarello, and Kubert is still unarmed. Um, this book opens up with Bruce looking over Carrie as she sleeps. Uh, he then goes to the back computer to see the destruction um, that no one is coming forward and, and admitting that they did from our, our friends in the bottle. Um, and just then Carrie comes out, and the first thing he says is that this kind of destruction never happens without somebody taking credit for it. And on cue, Quar comes forward and takes credit for it. Uh, we then see the Kryptonia leader giving a human, uh, like a type of pill when they're floating in the air above Moscow. And then he drops this guy from the sky and the guy hits this, looks like about the center of Moscow, uh, like an A-bomb. 
and uh, blows the whole thing up. And while he has the fire from the burning city behind him, he tells the people of Earth that they need to worship him like the god that he is. And Bruce looks at Carrie and says they're going to need some. Um, we then cut out. Bruce and Carrie making their way into the Fortress of Solitude, where we've seen the frozen Superman, who is still there and still frozen. Um, Bruce uses a hammer to break the ice off of him and tries to wake him up with a barrage of different insults and warnings, but nothing really seems to get attention. Uh, Carrie then says that his people, uh, meaning Kryptonians, are going to enslave the Earth, and he doesn't care. At that point, they turn out to leave, and he wakes up and asks, did she take people? Um, Bruce says yes, and we get a series of cutscenes that, very, very dark night cutscenes, you know, uh, news anchors, things like that. Um, and then we see the, uh, the destruction of, of, looks like all the communication satellites in orbit. Everyone gets cut off from their mobile devices, and we've got to kind of face each other on the streets. Um, we then see Ball and some of the other Kandorians, uh, trying to tempt Laura, uh, Superman's daughter with Wonder Woman, um, about the thoughts of using her power to, to a greater extent. Uh, we then see Superman crying as he sees the devastation that the other Kryptonians have done, and some cut scenes of the United Nations debating what the best course of action is at this point. Um, we then see Bruce make it back to a large bat cave where we see the army of bat boys um, there from previous books that we hadn't seen up to this point. Uh, we then see Quar go on, on like some kind of television shortwave and tell the world they have three days to decide to either give him their total surrender or be destroyed. Uh, Batman shows up on the screen, tells him to go to hell, literally. Um, and then we see Superman confront Quar. Uh, Quar calls him a traitor and says that Superman must be punished for his actions. And at the last page, we see what appears to be Laura turning on her father. Uh, the backup is Green Lantern, and the credits are the same, written by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello, breakdowns by John Romita Jr., uh, and finishes by Frank Miller. And basically, it's tracing the history, I guess, of Hal Jordan, uh, and he seems to be pure energy and he's only taken on the guise of a human (laughs) this is what i got from it it was a little weird um but the main point of it really is that he he goes to stop a disturbance because he finds out that you know earth and sector 2817 i believe is is in trouble so he goes there and he finds uh three women who appear to be in the harem of quar and at first they're a little tentative because they think that hal is a god but then one of them actually shoots off his ring bearing hand uh, with her laser vision and then tosses it out of the uh, universe and he falls presumably dying who knows uh, and they say that, no, he wasn't a god. Um, he was just a man. And then they decide that they're going to take uh, his world from him. Okay, so the really, I only have one discussion point for this issue. Um, I have a small thing about pace afterwards. But I guess the biggest thing is, since we are a Batman podcast, um, this this book so far, we've had this, this thing escalate very, very quickly. Um, and Carrie and Bruce are kind of, in a different role where they're not front and center in the story. I mean, Superman's having the fight, you know, everything else is going on there. So my question is, do we feel like that we, that we're getting this, a good story for Carrie and Bruce, or do we feel at this point that they're just more like supporting characters? Um, well, I don't think there's a doubt in my mind that they're just supporting characters. Um, it feels like the majority of the story up to this point, at least has been leading up to, the fight between these Kandorians and Superman and 
the backups are not really helping the overall narrate narrative yeah. narrative of the actual main series either. Um, and I don't know why this is. I mean, like, here's the thing. It's called Dark Knight 3, The Master Race. I assumed, at least when the, the title of the series was announced, that it had something to do with maybe the uh, Sons of Batman or something like that, but it seems like The Master Race is more referring to these Kandorians, uh, at least at this point in time. I mean, we still have five more issues to go in the series, but it, it, at least that's the way it feels like at this at this point in time. But that being said, it still just comes across as very strange that this is the the story that is being told. Um, this isn't coming across as a Batman story hardly at all. I mean, like, Carrie Kelly, yes, she had a great role in the first issue and she had a role in the second issue, but now it's just kind of like, well, now they're just the plot point to get to the other, or not plot point, but they're just the, the method to get to the main story. Um, and I, th- I think that's a shame. And I, I think that's the the problem when you increase the scale to the scope. When you bring in Kryptonians, I think that it's just like already you're a little out of uh, Batman's league um, because he has his certain, you know, uh, rogues gallery that goes along with him. And yes, occasionally he does fight superpower beings. But now you've got the whole world of Kandor, and when you think of Kandor, you obviously associate that with Superman. So I think the whole problem was the choice of villain. I think it should have gone elsewhere. Not saying that Superman couldn't have been a part of it, but I think it needed to be something uh, that was more in Batman's gallery. And you're absolutely right, Dustin, that you know the backups aren't really helping with anything. But if this, now the only thing I will say is that if we're trying, if this is not the end for the Dark Knight, um, that this is three and there's something more, and it, this is more of a world building exercise that Frank Miller is trying to make, you know, a Justice League in this sort of universe, then I can kind of handle that. But I don't think it should have been called, uh, the Dark Knight, uh, returns, unfortunately, or I guess just the Dark Knight. Um, because right now it really has a feel for me of Batman Beyond, like the Justice League Beyond. That's what it feels like yeah. I'm reading right now, not a bad set in the Miller verse. Absolutely. I, I think they almost could have taken a page from how they're labeling the Star Wars movies coming up. Like Rogue One is called Rogue One, a Star Wars story, right? Mm-hmm. This almost could have been the Master Race, a Dark Knight universe story, you know? I mean. Or a Dark Knight story. A Dark, yeah. a Dark Knight story wouldn't work, yeah. probably. But you know what I'm saying? Something like that. Yeah, like, here's something. a story set in the universe. I mean. It's and, and yeah, I want to make a distinction here for everyone listening. I don't think this is bad. I actually think it's good. It just doesn't seem like a Batman story. You know, I love the Justice League, so I'm okay with this being a Justice League story. But Stella really, you know, hit the point that I was going to hit, which is whenever you introduce people with this kind of power set, Bruce's abilities just aren't, you know, well suited for it. What's he going to do? You know, we got a guy turning people into atomic bombs and drop them in the middle of cities. So what's he going to do? Throw a battering at them? You know, I mean, like, there's just not a lot here for them to do. Um, now, I'm, I'm assuming that at some point this thing's going to make a curve and we're going to see them in a more pivotal role. Um, I'm sure by 6, 7, 8 that they're going to be the, the ones in the, in the middle. And I kind of hope that Carrie is a central character that we get focused mm-hmm. on. Uh, I, re- I really would like to see that. In fact, I would 
love to have an ongoing with Carrie set in this future universe. I, I think she's an interesting character. Um, but I just think right now, and, and again, it, 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 Dustin, you might be totally right. It might just be where we're at in the story. And in three or four issues, it might totally flip around. But right now, when I was reading this, I really felt like they were the bit characters. But here's the, here's the other thing to point out. If, if I am right, and this is just because we're at that point in the story, that's a really bad way of telling the story. I mean, like, you look at the previous installments of the Dark Knight universe. None of them were eight issues long. And they did not need to tell stories that did not play into the main story. I mean, like, what happens if the Kandorians are just beat in issue number four and then they move on to another part and it comes across as, well, what was the point of that other than just to fill up three more issues? You know, then, then you're gonna, you're gonna have people who are, you know, more frustrated than two, you know, readers who are more frustrated than two. So, I mean, like, the thing is, this is not what I feel, like, I can't say, like, I wanna say, this is not what they promoted to us. This is not the way they marketed to us. But in some ways, it's not as if they didn't, that, you know, they lied in what they told us they were gonna do. It's just, this is not exactly what we expected, knowing what has come in the previous installments. Yes, and I think that would that would be accurate. Um, you know, honestly, that's really all I really wanted to touch on. The other question was just because we've been talking about pace so much with Batman Eternal was just a quick thought on how this story feels like it's pacing out for you. I mean, we've had a little bit of of, of delay and, and things like that. Does it, does this feel like every month we're kind of we're moving along at a steady pace? Does it feel like it's lurching a little bit for you guys? Well, I think the problem I think there's a huge problem with being able to say whether or not it's paced well. Is be, and I think the the main problem for me is that I mean it's been over a month and a half since we've had another the previous issue. And this this issue number three took forever to come out. Um, the last issue I think was like the second to last week of December. And this, this issue came out the end of December, or uh, end of February. So I mean, like almost two months that it took for the next issue to come out. And that's a problem that plays into the pacing, but not if, if you read this issues back to back, it feels like to me that it's going slow. It's, it does not feel like we're getting to what, well, and it could just be because of the content of the story. Cause I'm not super interested in what's going on right now. Um, and that, that could play into it too, but like, it feels like it's going slow, but there's other elements that feel like they're going really fast, that they're moving just really fast, but the direction that they're moving is unknown, and that's what makes it annoying. Uh, it's a little slow. I was actually thinking to myself um, today as I perused through it again to see how it was going, um, or just review, rather, that it, it for me, I think it's slow. Yeah, it's... um. It's, it definitely seems like there's some filler here. I, I, I think I see where they're going with it, and it's, I think it's well wrote. I think the narrative is good, but, um, it does feel like eight issues might be stretching and six may have been enough, but yeah. Okay. That's all I got on it, man. Alright, so, Dark Knight 3, number 3, I'm gonna give a total of 3 out of 5. I'm gonna give it 3.5 out of 5. I enjoy it, despite all its flaws. Three out of five. Over on the website, Bill gave it four, so that's going to give Dark Knight 3 a total of three and a half out of five. Moving into our next set of books, Batman and Robin Eternal. Batman and Robin Eternal number 20, uh, script by Tim Seeley, art by Roja Antonio, 
and Geraldo Borges. Uh, this issue starts off at St. Hadrinas, which is the secret headquarters for Spiral. We see a teacher and the student who is who is old enough not to be affected by mother's uh, the the mind control signal. Uh, they're trying to ward off a number of uh, so, uh, of fellow students that are coming at them. Uh, nearby, we see Tim Drake uh, being Tim Drake and Doctor Nets being attacked by a student, and Helena pops out and says, "We need to get out of here and go towards the generators." Meanwhile, we see Orphan hiding in the shadows, watching all of this happening. Harper is still attacking Cassandra. Red Robin and Dick Grayson are trying to get Harper to stop, but she's convinced that she needs to kill Cassandra. Uh, they finally get, uh, Helena, Dr. Nets, and Red Robin finally get to an elevator to get down to the generators, and they find out that the elevator is out of commission. Uh, they decide they still need to get down, and we see a number of hallucinations by Tim Drake, since he's infected with the fear toxin. We also see that Harper Rowe is also infected by the fear toxin as well. Uh, then we see that uh, in the process of Harper trying to attack Cassandra, uh, she ends up accidentally shooting Tim Drake, as well as shooting a panel on a wall that opens up a door and reveals that Poppy Ashmore is still in the building. Uh, she decides that it's time to attack Dick Grayson, uh, but she ends up just getting kicked in the face and getting taken out very quickly. Um, as Helena, Dr. Nets, and Red Robin are going down the elevator shaft towards the generator, Orphan goes and he decides it's time to attack, and he goes and uh, he gets into a fight with Helena. Uh, Dr. Nets and Red Robin get to the generators and are trying to turn them on specifically because once they do that, they can jam Mother's signal to stop the students from attacking. Uh, meanwhile, we have uh, uh, Harper and Cassandra still in the fight. We have uh, Red Hood bat... Uh, punch Harper in the face to knock her out, um, but it's it's un, unsuccessful. Uh, Harper is now uh, imagining that Red Robin is, she's hallucinating that Red Robin is actually David Kane and uh, that he is also convinced. Uh, this is all taking place in a room that seems to have the sprinklers going off or something like that. Uh, Cassandra actually ends up picking up uh, Harper's taser gun and shoots them, but because they're all sitting in the water, they all get shocked slash electrocuted. Uh, Helena is fighting off Orphan so that uh, Red Robin and Dr. Nets can redo the system so that they can get the generators back up. Um, and uh, it seems like Helena's holding her own, at least compared to the fact that David Kane is supposed to be a very well-trained soldier of mothers. Um, we then see that uh, uh, Helena ends up using some sort of uh, pressure point thing on David Kane, which... Briefly takes him out, but David Kane uh, is is radioed over the. Uh, I guess he's he's contacted to Poppy through some sort of radio communication, and she reveals that they need to get to uh, Dick and Helena by revealing this eye, which allows them to access this satellite that is up above the Earth, which is Spiral Satellite. The hypnos that's implanted in Helena and Dick's mind has the ability to access it. Um, and they now have control over it, which allows Mother to actually have control over it. Um, meanwhile, the students who are trying to break down the gymnasium door, they break in, um, and just as they break in, Red Robin is able to reprogram the system, turns it on, and the uh, generator shuts down, causing the signal to be blocked. The students stop attacking, and uh, 
we see that uh, David Kane, he, he escapes slowly only because Helena was under the control of, of the eye that was imprinted on his hand. And uh, we then cut to the outside where the entire s- s- town surrounding Spiral Headquarters has, is kind of looks like a war zone because of what has happened. Um, Helena then explains to Dick that the satellite is important and the reason why it was important and uh, is because the intent for that satellite was to allow the entire world to unknow that Dick Grayson was Nightwing. And that someday the intent was to turn that back on, turn the satellite on so the Earth would no longer know that Dick was Nightwing so that Dick could go back to being Nightwing because Helena knows that that is what Dick ultimately really enjoyed. Uh, Dick is upset about this mostly because now the satellite is in the control of Mother, which means she has the ability to turn on the satellite and control the young people of the entire world. Um, the issue ends with uh, Damien appearing with Goliath and saying, the real Robin is here to fix everything. Next up, what Batman knew. So then we uh, jump over to issue number 21. The script was by James Tanyan IV, art by Tony S. Daniel. Uh, this one is is almost clear flashback. Uh, we cut to Gotham several years ago where we see Robin fighting with Deadshot and Batman... Batman and Robin fighting alongside each other, taking out a number of villains throughout Gotham City. Um, in the process of doing this, uh, Batman is convinced that Mother is dead, but uh, he doesn't like the loose ends that every that has that Mother has left, and he tells Dick that he needs to deal with some stuff. Uh, meanwhile, in Eastern Europe, Dick goes to visit somebody who happens to know some of the history about Mother and where she came from. And we learn the backstory of Mother. She's a character that uh, was uh, from Eastern Europe in a country called Gardavia. And uh, right. just was, it, it's basically an Eastern European country that at some point, a country, I guess, similar to Russia, it was being taken over by a country like Russia. And uh, the soldiers would spend time at the uh, tavern slash restaurant, bar, whatever, that uh, she worked at and her parents owned. Um, she was a server herself. Um, there was some horrible situations where one of the officers ended up choking on something, but uh, people believed that he was poisoned, and the soldiers ended up just shooting people because they thought they were trying to poison him instead of uh, being able to assist him because he was choking. Uh, she runs out of the, the, the tavern and ends up seeing a number of people being killed. Her parents also are surrounded and are murdered. And she sees their bodies and basically decides she's going to avenge their death. But she pretends that she's dead so that she doesn't get killed herself and the soldiers don't suspect that she's still alive. Um, in the process, uh, we see that uh, as time goes on, she decided to take her revenge. As Dick says, thank you for all this information, I'm going to go. Uh, this woman who's been explaining all of this, she knows full well that Mother's right there and that Mother needs to kill her, and she tell, asks her to make it quick. We then cut to Batman, obviously not present time, but Batman who is overwatching Harper Row and her brother Cullen and has decided to put the scare into her father so that her father doesn't do anything wrong and raises the kids um, since he is a no-good 
for nothing, anything, since he decided to run out on his wife who was being murdered. Um, after scaring the father, he decides to go back to the back computer. He closes the case on, on mother and decides that it's all done, and he purges all traces and puts everything onto a little bat flash drive. Next up, Rise. So, a couple of uh, points here uh, to bring up. The, the Dealing with issue number 20, uh, we kind of got the resolution. Again, it sucks that we're on the rotation that we are because of that one week that had three weeks and we're off on the story arcs because the writer's issues do get split up based off of our current review schedule, which is unfortunate, but there's not a whole lot we can do. And honestly, we're going into the last month of, of Eternal anyway, so I don't really think it's that big of a deal. But this uh, the, the first issue wraps up everything that's going on in Spiral. Um, I don't think there's anything super huge except for well. the, the satellite. <laughs> I think that's the only thing that really needs to be discussed. Helena reveals that Spiral has the satellite. Her intentions were always to eventually use the satellite to allow Dick to become Nightwing again. Um, last episode, we were talking about how could Dick become Nightwing, and clearly here's the way that it could happen. Not sure if it'll eventually happen in the pages of Grayson, or if it's going to happen at the end of Eternal, but this is how Dick Grayson is going to be able to become Nightwing again. Um, so, two questions in relation to the satellite. One, do you think that this is a plot device that is too coincidental? And two, um, is, do you really believe, based off of what has been happening in Grayson and what's been happening here in Eternal, that Dick really needs to be Nightwing to fulfill a desire inside of him? Well, I believe that Dick needs to be Nightwing to fill a desire that's inside Dan DiDio and Jeff Johns for Rebirth, if that counts. Uh, no, I mean... Yes, I think it's his natural place as Nightwing. Um, I think the spy, the Grayson story that we, we, we've had in Grayson, which is spilling over a little bit here into Eternal, has been good and it's been cool. It's been fun. Um, it's definitely showed off some versatility from the probably soon to be Batman scribe. Um, but yeah, I, I do believe that this is probably what, you know, Dick has always wanted to do is be Nightwing more accurately, be the next Batman. This is a natural step to that. So it does make some sense. Um, the, the satellite thing. L- listen, whatever we were going to do to get him back in the costume, this is meant, this is meant to sound sarcastic, but it was always going to be a stretch of, you know what I'm saying? Like, if the whole world had learned the secret, it was always going to be some kind of stretch of either magic or rewriting continuity or something to make it where the world no longer, but he was Nightwing. Um, is it the idea of a magic satellite wiping everyone's mind with hypnos on the entire planet ridiculous? Yeah, of course it is. But if you came up with any other way to wipe everyone's mind the entire planet short of a reboot or Barry Allen traveling through time or something like that, it was all going to be ridiculous. So I'm just going to look past it and let's get it back in the costume and get the Nightwing series started back up. I'm going to say I'm going to disagree with Ed here. I, I don't think that – well, just what you said that, you know, his desire to be Batman at some point, I, I don't see that. Um, I think that that's something that, uh, frightens him and he, you know, like we saw in Prodigal and I think, you know, some characteristics do really have to stay the same, even though we, we change the character a little bit from universes. I, I think that that's something he never wants to become, uh, as Batman, uh, is Nightwing. I, I mean, sure. Uh, but I don't know if that's his, like, 
I don't know. You know, when I read Grayson, maybe there's some regret that he's not Nightwing, but I feel like he's having fun with what he's doing, uh, being an undercover for Batman and everything. So I don't know if every day he's writing his journal and saying, oh, I wish I could be Nightwing. Um, but, you know, who knows? I mean, I think the point is mute. I feel like he's going to be Nightwing again. So yeah. what does it even matter? But, yeah, absolutely, this thing is too convenient. I don't think it made a lick of sense except for it to be like the perfect little Dobby situation where, uh, you know, Harry Potter, where basically it could, it could save, it could erase everything and, and go back. It's like a complete mind wipe, like Zatanna and Identity Crisis or something. Um, and it's so weird because Helena, like, clearly, I mean, she cares, I think, about him. But to stake everything on this little machine just for him seems a little wild and out of character. And I don't agree with it at all. I think it's super random and doesn't make sense. So my, my thoughts basically is I don't know that the satellite is, I think it is convenient to a degree. Um, I, I don't, I think in, in every way, Dick does not need to be Nightwing to be his, you know, to be the character that he is. I think Dick is more so him, you know, Dick himself, whether he's Nightwing, whether he's Batman, whether he's Dick, you know, Grayson, the secret agent. I think that if he has a good writer, it doesn't matter what costume or what role he's playing. Um, but knowing that Rebirth is right around the corner and that, and this issue actually came out before, or I think it was right after or no, it was right before the, the rebirth stuff was announced. Um, it was slightly interesting that we learn one day that there's a satellite up in the sky that's going to make everyone forget that Dick is Nightwing. And then the next day it's revealed that, oh wait, by the way, there's going to be a Nightwing series come rebirth. Um, it's also worth pointing out. I don't know that, that, uh, Jeff Johns is the one who's behind putting Nightwing back in the costume. And I don't know that it's Dan DiDio either, because Dan DiDio wanted to kill Nightwing. That's a well-known fact. Um, Jeff Johns is the one who was the one who revealed that Dick Grayson was Nightwing and disallowed him to be Nightwing anymore in the pages of Forever Evil. So I don't know that either one of them is directly to blame for this potentially happening. I think it's more just getting back to the more well-known version of the character without resorting Dick all the way back to Robin. So that being said, uh, so then moving into issue number 21, um, there's not a whole lot here. I mean, like we get to know a little bit more about mother and her backstory, but I guess my question here is knowing what they tell us at least for the backstory of mother, like I come to me, at least she comes across as like slightly interesting with her backstory, but like how she gets to do what she's doing just doesn't, isn't there. Like, I don't know if it was purposely not explained in this issue, but it just doesn't come across as, well, she somehow goes from this person who lived this horrible, you know, had a horrible childhood or whatever, and her parents were murdered in front of her, and she had to lay it amongst dead bodies, to somehow resorting that to she ends up taking children and turning them into super soldiers. I don't know how the, the correlation is there. I'm sure maybe it'll be explained in, a, in another issue, it really feels like we're hitting a roadblock with the story, and that's why we're starting to see the backstory of, of, uh, of mother and things like that. You and don't think it was a such bit... a traumatic experience that it changed her, like it changed Batman? Well, sure, it could change her, but I, I don't know how seeing your parents killed correlates to I'm going to ch- 
steal children, murder their parents, and then turn them into super soldiers. It's not like somebody did this to her, turned her into a super soldier. She's broken, so man. Just, yeah. Yes, but I guess, I don't know. I'm just looking at it from the perspective of most villains are broken in some way. How do we get from just being a generic broken character to doing what she does? How does she come across David Kane? How does, how does, how do all of these steps happen? That's what I'm saying. Like, and there probably will be explained. I'm just jumping the gun, but. I don't know if they're going to the be explained or not. It, We're almost out of issues. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. But the other part of it is we also see a little bit more of Batman and what, you know, the time before the events of issue number one during the flashback, at least things like that. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be leading up to the 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 meeting between Cassandra and and Batman and explaining how the two know each other and things like that because that hasn't been shown yet. Um, so, just based off of Mother's history that's presented in this issue alone, do you feel like she's a interesting character? No, I mean, I was a little too quick to come out of my mouth, wasn't it? <laughs> well, it's only because I was thinking the whole time when you're talking about well, where did she get like something? I don't care, you know, like. Your point is perfectly valid, by the way, Dustin, but my point was I just don't care. Um, I'm not saying that she's the worst character ever wrote. I just, 22 issues into the story, I, I get I get enough backstory here that I'm totally sated. I'm like, okay, so kid, bad stuff, parents died, she went nuts, check. Like, how did she create a global conspiracy of, of enormous proportions? I don't know. And honestly, I just... It's, I get all that I need to see from, from Mother's character right here. I get enough of a backstory that I can kind of nom head and go, okay, okay, she's nuts. Right, and that's it. I'm good. You know, what keeps me coming back to this story, um, besides the fact that I'm on a packed podcast that is <laughs> that makes you read. <laughs> um, is honestly the Robins. Um, the villain I've really not had any of a... Yeah, any connection to, um, I've not really been so much intrigued. I think the only intriguing element about it was this connection to Batman and he's obviously, uh, so regretful about something and you're wondering, what is this? What is this? And you find out and it's not actually that bad. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, so I, I haven't really, you know, it's great to see all the Robins in, in one place and to start developing, we'll just have Cass here and develop Harper and Steph, but uh, I, I think that the villain could have been better, but I I mean, I, I can't offer you who that would be. But, you know, I, you have to at least give props to the writers that they went with something really huge, bringing all of these Robins together, and they created an original villain. And I'm fine with, you know, honestly, I'm fine with the original villain. I mean, like, I, I, like I said, I don't look at this character and think to myself, this is an amazing character that's going to be remembered for years and years and years. But I don't know that the villain is supposed to be the focus. I think the focus, like they said initially, at least when they promoted the series back in July, when they announced it, was that is this is supposed to be Batman and Robin Eternal. Mm -hmm. And we're focusing on the Robins. Yes, Batman's in it during the flashbacks, but... This is bringing all the Robins together, and it's great to see that in issue 20, Damien is is finally going to be joining the ranks, and we're going to see Damien in the issues. Um, I also know that going in the coming issues, this going into this last month, there's a lot of covers that at least feature other characters from the Batman universe that have yet to be that have yet to show up in the pages of Eternal. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if those other characters 
you know, how, how they play a role into what's going to happen and things like that. But the, but I think, like I said, the focus is supposed to be the Robins. The reason they didn't use an established villain, the reason they didn't use a villain that has a extensive backstory that we already know that's already been explained other places is because it, that would take the focus away from the Robins, which I think is the whole reason behind this. And for that reason, I'm completely fine with it. I'm completely fine with the villain not being that interesting or not being that great and being, in my mind at least, a throwaway villain because I don't care about this villain after this story's done. Because the goal of this story is to bring the Robins closer together as a more tight-knit family. That's that's my mind. They're working together to take down something, and Batman is not a decisive factor in what they're doing, other than he was involved in it some, you know, in some way in the past, but he's not the one behind the mission. You know, he is, you know, he's out of commission right now, and the Robins are taking care of this. And I think that's the whole point of the story, and I think that's what they're trying to do. So, for that way, I could care less about Mother, this one-off issue that, you know, doesn't really explain a whole lot about her origin. I could put aside and say, well, whatever. It's just, it's just a throwaway character anyway. So, in that regard, I'm fine with it. Outside of that, I have to say that I think that the art was a step up from the last couple issues for both issues, even though they did have different artists on these two issues. Uh, Tony S. Daniel comes back in this issue and does a full issue, which was great to see, but he has literally done three issues the entire series. Uh, this is the third issue. Um, so in some ways, having him as the headliner artist probably wasn't the best idea if he only does three of the 20-something issues that come out. So... Fair, but I, just saying, I do like his art. I mean, your criticism about the time frame, totally legit, but he does do a good job. Yeah, and I, I like his art. I, you know, I've never been opposed to his art. I'm not a huge fan of his writing. Um, <laughs> Fact. <laughs> yeah, I'll just leave it at that. But uh, when it comes to his art, I enjoy his art. I mean, like he's his art is nice. It, you know, the, I've got no complaints about when he has when he puts the effort into doing a full issue. It comes out looking good. So for that, great. But honestly, don't tell me you're going to have an artist headlining the series and they only end up, like, he'll probably end up maybe doing the last issue as well, so 26. So out of 26 issues over the course of six months, he did four issues. That's that's a really piss-poor ratio, just saying. All right, so issue number 20, I'm going to give four out of five. Oh, uh, three out of five. Three out of five. And over on the website, Ian gave it three, four and a half. Whoa. So that's going to give... Uh, Issue 20, three and a half out of five. For issue 21, I'm going to give three and a half. Uh, three out of five. Three out of five. And Ian gave it four, so that's going to give issue number 21, three out of five. So that is all of our reviews for the in-depth reviews. Moving over to Greater Gotham. We're- through these fairly quick. Uh, starting off with the first week of comics we're covering here. Uh, first up, Robin, son of Batman. Damien looks in on Bruce Wayne after dealing with some low-level villains, and then he moves into the Batcave with Goliath. This was reviewed by Ryan. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Next, Harley Quinn number 25. Harley heads to Arkham to rescue a friend, but has an inevitable run-in with the Joker. Can Harley resist the evil machinations of the Clown Prince? 
this one was reviewed by Gary. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Next, Poison Ivy, Cycle of Life and Death, number two. Poison Ivy is embroiled in the investigation of the death of a friend and a colleague as intrigue swirls around the Gotham Botanical Garden Laboratory. So it was also reviewed by Gary. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Uh, next, Titans Hunt, number five. The story of the original Teen Titans continues. Nightwing, Donna Troy, and Gar start to look for answers in the town as Roy and Nark visit Roy's addiction counselor, Lilith, and run into Hawk and Dove. This one was reviewed by Jim. He gave it a total of four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. It's got Donna Troy in it. Thumbs up. Thumbs down. Oh. All right. And Injustice Gods Among Us, year five, number four. While Batgirl rescues Catwoman from Killer Croc, Batman and his remaining allies go toe-to-toe with Superman and some regime members. After escape, the rogues launch a series of guerrilla attacks for Batman's insurgency. At regime headquarters, Hawkman returns demanding Hawkgirl return to Thangor, but spousal disagreements ensue. This one was reviewed by Bill. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 And as far as the DCU books that include TBU characters, Secret Six number 11, Batgirl visits the Secret Six to warn Strix of an imminent attack by the League of Assassins. And then Superman American Alien number four, Clark meets a young Dick Grayson and has a surprise for the mysterious Batman. All right, so then moving into the following week, uh, February 24th. First up, we have Grayson number 17. Dick and Tiger try to evade the Syndicate's agents as Grifter interrogates Tau as it's revealed that Helena Bertinelli must die. Uh, this one was reviewed by Corbin. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs neutral. Yeah, this wasn't as good. Uh, neutral. Next, we are Robin number nine. As the Joker's movement begins to grow with Smiley at its head, the Robins begin to take steps towards creating their new futures. Some try to hold on to a normal life while others advance their vigilante careers through experimentation by and trial by combat. Uh, this one was reviewed by Bill. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Uh, Justice League number 48. The Justice League begrudgingly join forces with Owlman and the Crime Syndicate to defeat the Anti-Monitor. Even without the Anti-Life Equation, Mobius is still driven to destroy the Earth. Seemingly unbeatable after putting down the Justice League and its allies, Mobius may have finally met his match when Lex Luthor, God of Apocalypse, enters the fray with his Parademon army. This one was reviewed by Bill. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Neutral. Teen Titans number 17. The issue starts an arc into the real identity of who Wonder Girl is. The search Turk take, the search takes the team across the country and even to London where Red Robin comes face to face with an Amazon. One guess as to who that one is. Uh, this issue was reviewed by Jim. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, neutral. Neutral. And then the DC Universe books for this week were Suicide Squad, Most Wanted, Deadshot, and Katana number two. Deadshot goes AWOL during his current mission, leaving his partner behind to confront his dying father. Waller sends the squad to retrieve him. Katana starts her search of the kidnapped Dr. Chase, but soon runs into trouble with Cobra. The Suicide Squad makes an appearance towards the end. Uh, and then also Justice League 3001, number 9, Tina, who's Robin, and her personal Gigantor Bat robot help Wonder Woman and Flash fight the Scullions on Cadmus World. Also, Eclipso forms a Legion of Death to destroy what is left of the Justice League in the latest beautiful yet bizarre issue 
of Justice League 3001. So those are your books for the past two weeks. Uh, we'll cover the next two weeks on the next episode, which, like I said, will happen next episode. Next week, I should say. Um, so then that is all of our books for that. Moving into listener Q&As, um, also known as The Bat Signal. First one comes from Ian. He says, I totally agree, I totally agree with you all about Catwoman. A really strong written run, obviously cut short, and either the editors or Thierry are really playing a dirty game of wreck as much as possible of the previous run. I can't wait until they drag Eco out and have her arrested or hospitalized for kicks. I'm surprised that the art has been so solid though. Nikki's previous work on Birds of Prey in 2010 was incredibly terrible. But it's slinking yeah. Catwoman. I'm not sad the title's canceled though. Okay, okay. then. Well, let's re- <laughs> let's talk about this first paragraph first. Uh, I agree. Uh, I Nike's work. I, I'm per- probably pronouncing that wrong. The work on Birds of Prey was absolute crap. I remember that distinctly. It was horrible. Uh, but Catwoman, it is the art is much better. She the, the art this time around is much better than their run on uh, Birds of Prey. But technically, this series is i don't know if they're actually going to actually state that these series are being canceled i think they're just kind of ending because even with the solicitations for may that were released they never actually said these were the final issues so but yes you're right it's 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 essentially being canceled so we'll leave it at that it's being canceled and we're not getting another i think the the, the way to judge these is we're not getting another catwoman book it's true it's being canceled and the arts I think sometimes with the art here, the art's fine, and I think this is an example of some art works for certain titles that it just doesn't work for others, and it works in Catwoman. He goes on to say, I thought that Alfred's dialogue in Batman number 49 was too direct. Alfred's generally been fairly British and reserved. Fair. I fully believe that he feels incredibly deeply for Bruce as a father figure, but I do not accept that he would blurt out son when arguing with, with Bruce even in this circumstance. But I did think that Snyder d- developed a really nice climax to the Julie-Bruce relationship, and their farewell was very affecting. I hope that she survives the arc, since they've been fairly elegant about how her relationship with Bruce will end, and I don't think you'll find a Batman writer alive who thinks Batman can be happy in a relationship. I disagree with them all, but I haven't found one yet. I really wish circumstances would align so that you could review Eternal Issue in arcs again. The two you reviewed this week are really are really low points of the run, but I think number 20 closed Tim Seeley's issue well, obviously given my rating. I don't think it's as bad as Eternal Year 1. I still feel a sense of momentum and character moments that have been pretty solid. I just hope that Steve Orlando has significantly stronger arc leading to the conclusion than his first two issues. So related to Alfred and Batman 49, his, his, uh, his dialogue was probably a little bit too direct. I agree with that. Dealing with Julian Bruce, I, that's one of the main things I'm looking forward to seeing the conclusion of. Not, not that I want their relationship to end. We know it's ending, but like, I'm interested to see how Snyder wraps that part of the story up. Because I think that that's a very, not killing her and leaving her alive and just having her be aware of who he is, but not have her involved with him, you know, ongoing, in an ongoing relationship with him is very interesting. It never gets done. Normally it's just, we introduce this random character 
It's the girlfriend. She ends up either being a villain or she ends up getting killed. That's just how it happens, at least in the last, like, six years. So it's nice that, you know, it'll be nice to see what happens with her character if, uh, and I'm hoping he at least explains what happens with her. She just doesn't, like, go back into oblivion and the last time we saw her was in issue 49. Yeah, that would be my only thing. I'd hope we don't get the throwaway line from Alfred at the end of 50 or the beginning of 51, which was, oh, Ms. Madison went to, you know, Africa to work with homeless kids. <laughs> you know, like, I hope we avoid them. All right, so moving on to the next one. Gary says, Terrific podcast, guys. As a big, far- As a big Harley Quinn fan, could you tell, I have to agree with a lot of what you said about her saturation. I enjoy Connor and Palomayati's run or work, but I, I'd love to see different interpretations of Harley. I get the feeling that Connor and Palmiati get spread a little thin, and there is usually one really good Harley Quinn issue a month. The rest are just average or worse. Harley's appearance in Suicide Squad doesn't generally doesn't do it. I'm more interested in characters and relationships rather than sprawling fight scenes, so the big team books aren't my thing. Having her pop up into a panel and say something ditzy or risque, and then mow down a bunch of baddies with a machine gun made out of bubblegum or whatever is not what I like about the character. I want to see her more like she was in Justice Gods Among Us. Her interactions between Black Canary and Green Arrow were the bullseye for me, and possibly crazy, violent, fun, loving, careless, and desperate to love and be loved. Since she is such a big seller, DC could try out different writers and artists on some minis and see if something sticks. Having Just having her on the cover sells books. I, I skeptically look forward to all of her appearances in April, though there is a lot of Connor and Palmiati, and I worry. Fingers crossed on the Suicide Squad April School special. As far as Harley Quinn goes, well, I don't think, despite the fact that she sells issues, she's going to be getting two issues per month. She's one of the bi-monthly issues that's going to be happening with Rebirth. Um, I agree. If we weren't, if we knew that, if we didn't know that Rebirth was happening, and we didn't know that it was going back down to the two issues. It's also worth noting that the Harley Quinn miniseries, the Gang of Harleys, or whatever the heck it's called, that starts in April, will obviously still run its six issues, and then the Harley Quinn main series will go bi-monthly probably after that. I agree. I think we should be seeing some different interpretations. You know, these one-shots and miniseries that we constantly see with Harley Quinn, why is it the same writing group. I'm not saying that Connor and Palmiati are bad. Um, some of the stuff that they've done with Harley Quinn, I've enjoyed some of the earlier stuff that they, when they first started with Harley Quinn, I really enjoyed, but as it goes on, it just feels like, like you said, it is beginning spread too thin. And I don't, I'm not liking that as much. Yeah. I actually prefer the, uh, I mean, I, Connor and Palmiati stuff is really, really fun, but I prefer the more in continuity Harley Quinn stories like Suicide Squad right now. All right, so next, another Ian says, Hey, guys, I started listening to the podcast back in July, and I've really enjoyed the show. Keep up the good work. I first got introduced to comics back in the late 80s and early 90s, so I'm a big fan of the Tim Drake Robin. I understand Ed's frustration, but I don't think killing the character is necessarily the right way to go. By now, we've heard we've all heard more information about Rebirth, and I'm doing my best to keep it keep optimistic about DC writing the ship. I do really like the way that Tim is portrayed in the Arkham games. What direction do you think they should go with Tim and Rebirth? Hashtag Team Dick and Corey. Sorry, sorry Stella. Smart guy. Smart guy. Okay, so... Oh, no, no. Outside of uh, not talking about Dick and uh, who we ship him with... <laughs> oh, that's, is that a fact, huh? Um, talking about Tim in Rebirth, if you... It, okay, so 
Here's the one thing that I have to point out. When you look at what's been announced for Rebirth as far as the series goes, there's a Titan series, there's a Teen Titans series. The Titan series, at least, is... Now, this is all rumors because we don't know the explanation behind all of this stuff, but the Titans series uh, is, is said to spin out of what's been happening with Titans Hunt, which brings back the original Titans. Uh, Donna Troy, Dick Grayson, Aqualad, you know, these characters that existed. Also, Roy Harper is part of this, too. Like, the characters that are currently being focused on in Titans Hunt are said to be the characters that headline the Titans series. Teen Titans, there hasn't been nearly as many rumors, but one of the major rumors that has been out there is that Damien is going to be the Robin attached to that team, not Tim Drake. Which leaves the question of, where does Tim Drake go? Does he just disappear into oblivion? Well, I wouldn't be surprised, at least that's, you know, at least that's the way that they've portrayed the character as not existing to everything else outside of Eternal and a couple of, you know, one-page references in some of the events. But could we see what we had predicted two months ago, or not predicted, but uh, said we'd like to see, which is the Red Hood, Red Robin series, but instead of it being called that, it's Red Hood and the Outlaws, and just Red Robin is on that team. Well, I guess the big thing is, are we going to, who do you think Batman and Beyond will be, right? Will that be Drake or McGinnis? Because that's, that's one of the quote-unquote fall books, whatever that's worth. That's true. Well, it, I here's the thing. I don't consider them the same. And the funny thing is, I was looking on some website, and they actually, they classify the Tim Drake that is part of Batman Beyond as Timothy Drake, not Tim Drake from the normal continuity. They classify it as Timothy Drake from the future's end continuity, which is not necessarily the same thing. I don't know what they'll do with Batman Beyond. The series by itself has not been super successful with Tim Drake in the role, but I don't know that it, but in the same way, it hasn't been any more or less successful than when Terry McGinnis was in the role either. So it's not to say that Tim Drake is like killing the series or that lack of uh, Terry McGinnis is killing the series. It would be nice to have Tim as part of a, you know, a main continuity book. Batman Beyond takes place in a different time. Whether they stick with the current Future's End timeline or they start something, excuse me, they start something new, I don't really think that Tim Drake should only be in that series and that's the only place you see him. Unless, of course, no. in normal continuity, not five years into the future continuity with Future's End, he actually, you know, somehow gets transported to the future and that's how it becomes that. Because it's just a cop-out. It's basically like, well, we don't need to have him in a book because he's in that book. And I, and you've said yes. that before. And I think that would be a horrible, horrible way to look at that. I agree. But I think they're going to have to put him and for that matter, Damien somewhere because Robinson of Batman is no longer existing as well. Well, I said you know? that Damien would be in probably, he's, he's rumored to be the head Robin in tight, Teen Titans. Um, here's what I, I really see happening with these characters. To be totally honest, I think with Snyder's departure from Batman, and I think that you've probably hit on something with him doing Trinity eventually, I think with him gone, you'll see characters like Tim and Damien more in the monthly books. And we're getting two issues a month, right? I think that the best thing for all considered, I think we'll start seeing them show up more in the main titles. And I think that's what we're ready to see now. I would not be opposed to that. I'll say that, but I still think that the Red Hood and the Outlaws none of the incarnations of that series, whether it was Red Hood and the Outlaws, with Starfire and Roy, whether it was Red Hood and Arsenal, with, with the Joker's, Joker's daughter. daughter, which actually, if you've been reading it, I will admit, it, it has actually turned out to not be so horrible. Um, but that being said, um, 
I still don't think that any of those incarnations of the of the Red Hood series have really been that great. No matter who was the writer, it didn't matter if it was Scott Lobdell, which has been the majority writer for the majority of the stuff from the New Fifty Two with Red Hood, but none of it has really been that great. So I like, and I I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm not interested in Arsenal as a character. I you know I I think a lot of the stuff that when Starfire was on the team wasn't really that interesting either. It would be great if it was more tied to the Bat universe. And the easy way to do that would be include Tim Drake in it. All right, and then the last one comes from Joel. He says, on Jason Fabok's Facebook page, he included artwork for the upcoming WonderCon and noted, it'll be fun to do the show and hear everyone's reaction to all the big news that may come out of it. Um, he, that was his, that was Fabic's quote, um, because Fabic, uh, just as a, I guess, uh, info, back, back info on this, uh, Fabic drew the cover to the WonderCon program, which features Batman, Superman, uh, because obviously it comes out, the WonderCon's the same weekend as Batman v Superman, um, but also has Wonder Woman on the cover and so forth and so on. Um, then, uh, Joel goes on to say, do you think that he might be getting to do a bat book? He's currently on Justice League, the only reason I'm purchasing it, and I've been hoping he would replace Capullo, go back to a, or slash, go back to a more regular TV work. Do you want him to get that gig? And if not, who would be your top choices? Thanks for your podcast, times, and thought. Um, here's my thing. I have always enjoyed Fabic. Fabic is, uh, one of, yeah. one of my current favorite artists right now. Um, his work on Justice League is amazing. Um, he was previously on Detective Comics um, back when John Lehman was attached to the series, which that was ages ago. Um, but he was on Detective Comics and did a really good job, even though I wasn't a huge fan of what Lehman was doing with the series. Um, the art was spectacular. I think Favik is an amazing artist. Um, as And then he went on to... He was one of the headlining artists for... Batman Eternal Volume 1, and then about halfway through the series, he left and he went over to Justice League. And at the time, I distinctly remember, you know, making the announcement that he was leaving Eternal and he was going to Justice League on the podcast, and I said it was a shame, but for him, it's actually a really good thing because he can showcase his, you know, his art a lot more so in a team book like Justice League where you can focus on all of these other characters than just, you know, the Bat characters. Um, not saying anything against, you know, I still enjoy, obviously, the Bat books more so than the team books, but for an artist, it's a big deal to go to a team book, especially something like Just League, which is top-selling book, you know, written by Jeff Johns. It's a way to get your, your arts appreciated by a lot more people. Um, but at the same time, it was sad to have him leave the Batman universe. I would love for him to come back to the Batman universe. I still am trying to wrap my head around how they're going to do the bi-monthly thing with the artists. That's one of the things that I'm looking forward to them explaining how they're going to do this. Um, because if they're going to have two artists writing, you know, doing the art for, it's, no, you know, the issues every no. month, that's going to be a huge problem. It's not going to work. It, you know, even if it is only 40 pages per month, it's not going to work. There's no artist is going to be able to keep up a schedule of 40 pages of art per month, every single month without taking a break. And when they take breaks, it's sometimes dis, you know, it, it disconnects from everything else. Um, but I also think that if they do the thing where they have artists, two artists on a book 
and they just rotate back and forth, unless the art is in very similar styles, it's going to distract from the story. So that's one of my biggest concerns with Rebirth, the bi-monthly books, all of that. I want them to explain how that's going to work so it doesn't look like crap, because that tends to happen a lot, and we've seen that happen with Eternal and uh, Future's End and Earth 2, World's End. When all of these weekly series were happening, there was a lot of issues that have popped up with the art, and as much as I would love to see Fabic on a, on a series, uh, a Batman series going forward, I think it would be bad for him to take on a series that is, in fact, month, uh, bi-monthly. I don't know that putting him on any, any book makes sense right now, unless it was a book that was only monthly. Um, and I, but I don't see that happening. They've got a nice group of artists right now that there's no way that they could, you know, do two issues per month. There's just no way that they can do it. At the same time, I don't know. Like they can't just say, "Well, we can't work with you unless you start rotating artists," because I think that's going to distract from the story too. So that's my thoughts. I'll make this really simple. If you told me we get a King book wrote by him and drawn by Fabic, I'd love it. But he can't do two issues a month. So as much as I, I'm with you, Joel, I love the idea of seeing him do a Batman book. I just don't see where it's very feasible right now with the two issues a month. But then with all these books coming out, I'm not sure what they're going to do. But yeah, on just taking all the logistical aside, sure, I'd love to see Fabic on a Batman book again. All right. So that is all of our comments we have over on the website. I want to implore everyone to head over to the website to leave your thoughts and comments related to this episode, Rebirth in general, the sales numbers. Leave your thoughts and we'll discuss those on the next episode. Keep in mind that when this episode posts, you'll only have about two days to get your comments posted before the next episode. Otherwise, we won't get to them because exactly. we're recording these episodes so close together, uh, so close to the release date of the previous episode. So if you're listening, get your episode, get your comments posted right away. Um, and I'll make sure to leave a, a mention on the Facebook page when I post up the episode to get your comments in right away. So that way we can make sure we can talk about those on the next episode. Outside of that, we're not going to have a discussion because obviously we spent a lot of time discussing Rebirth and the sales numbers already. Um, next episode, in a week, we'll have probably very little news to cover at all. We'll have two issues of Eternal and a Detective Comics issue. Um, and then outside of that, maybe we'll have time for a discussion if we don't have a ton of listener Q&As. Or maybe we'll just get a lot of Q&As in those two days before we record and then... Uh, We'll have uh, plenty of things to discuss, but we'll have more time next episode if a discussion point arises. Outside of that, I want to implore everybody to head over to the website, check out everything that we have to offer, including all of our comic reviews and the other podcasts that we have on the website. I want to also encourage you to join our Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube pages. Subscribe and follow us on all of those. Um, also join our Facebook group to chat with other Bat fans related to all the stuff happening within the Batman universe. Also, if you are interested, I've said this multiple times and I will continue to say it, um, Rebirth is obviously going to be a shakeup for a lot of different things that are happening come the comics. So if you are interested in potentially reviewing any of the titles that we talked about here, the new series that are going to be starting up come June, July, and the ambiguous fall time, uh, be sure to get a hold of us at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net if you're interested in reviewing comics. Um, we do obviously have a number of comics reviewed on the website on a normal basis. There are some that we have trimmed uh, for our current coverage, 
But come Rebirth, we'd like to have all of those series that are TBU books reviewed on a normal basis since most of them, as Ed said, are mostly the meat and potatoes books on the website. So uh, if you are interested in reviewing those, that'd be great. We also are looking for news writers and other staff members for a variety of different things. So if you are interested in contributing to the Batman Universe, get a hold of us at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net and let us know if you are interested in working with us. In addition to that, I want to uh, implore you to leave reviews on iTunes and, of course, leave the comments on the website. So with that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. And this is Gretchen. And you have been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in just one week.